Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. I have a question for you, and this is a month-long question, okay? The next, throughout the month of September, this is the question that I want you to ponder. What if God's vision for your life is greater than your vision for your life? Think about that. I know you have goals, you have aspirations, you have plans, you have, you have things that are on your, on your table and things that you want to do and accomplish before you kick the bucket. I understand all that. I do as well. But what if God has even a more beautiful, more perfect, more awesome plan for our life than I have for my own life? I want to get in on God's plan. I want to know what that is. I think about Shakespeare and Macbeth whenever he writes this again centuries earlier, but it could be written for today. Life's but a walking shadow. This is the way he describes life. A poor player that struts and frets its hour upon the stage, and then it's heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Sounds pretty morbid, right? But there's a lot of people, if you got into the soul of who they were, they would say, I am a shadow walking. There's a lot of, sa- there's a lot of fury there's a, there's a lot of sound, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of notifications, there are a lot of things that are on my to-do list. They may not put it all in a package sentence like that, in a simple statement like that, but that's how they might describe their life. I think about John Dean, Watergate fame. At the end of his life or towards the end of his life, he said this, my view on my life has been backward, not forward. I have been dwelling on the trivial, on the insignificant, too much. Time is running out. I must come to terms with my life. That phrase right there is so important. The days of fantasizing great achievements are gone. Ambitions and goals must be realistic if I want to avoid a great disappointment at the end. See, the thing is, is that deep down inside of us, we all need to do an assessment, whether you're 20 or you're 25 or you're 55 or whatever age you are, whatever stage you are in life. We have to really do an assessment. Is, is, is God's vision for my life greater than my vision for my life? Am I just living out my hopes and dreams but who are you and where are you going and what, what's this whole thing about called life? We have to beware because this is the reality. In John 10, if you can be finding that chapter in your Bible, find the Gospel of John, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. Find John, find chapter 10. We'll be in chapter 10 today. And I want us to just remember the warning. This warning has kept me alive, seriously. This warning has been one of those warnings that I have to remind myself that many times when I get ready to do stupid, which is quite often, that I need to remember this. Anytime my passions want to take over, I need to remember this. Anytime I have my plans and I'm on my plan, my agenda, but I'm not on God's, I need to remember this. The thief comes to steal, 
to kill, and to destroy. He is coming. He's not waiting for you to come to him. He's coming, and when he comes, he has an agenda. That agenda is to still kill and destroy. Again, sounds morbid. Goes back to Shakespeare. Goes to John Dean. Again, spanning across the centuries, you have this darkness that is out there. That that whole oh, we need to be aware of that. The thief is out there, and he is real. Let's talk about God's vision, and let me just put it in two words today. I'm going to make it as simple as I possibly can make it. God's vision for your life, and I can say this because I'm saying on the authority of God's word, okay? You, the way you live out this vision is going to be different. You might sell widgets to Walmart. You might be an educator. You might be an attorney. You might be a doctor. You might be in, the, you might be in a nonprofit. You can live this vision out wherever you are, but this is what God's vision is for your life and my life, is that it would be free and that it would be full. It would be a free life, that it would be a full life, that it would be something that you could look back on and it's not this empty, shadowy, uh, lot of noise and sound signifying nothing, that it actually has something of meaning and substance. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the foundations of that vision. I'm going to cast a vision today. What is God's vision for your life? Where are we going? Where is God wanting for my life? And then what we're going to do is we're going to come right behind that. And for the next three weeks till the end of September, we're going to talk about the foundations that it's going to take to build on that. When you think about that, we just finished a series of messages on the Bible and the importance and the significance of the Scripture And the scriptures are there for the building of our life. It's the tool in the toolbox, if you will. Post this next uh, verse up here. I want you to read that verse out loud with me. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus said. Read it with me. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house. When you talk about building your life, you're talking about building a life with vision and direction and God's vision for your life, you're going to need to do it based on the scriptures, okay? Based on the foundations of his word. So now we talk about the foundations. The foundations are the values that you're going to build your life on. Taking God's word and using God's word as the guide stone, as the tool that we're going to build our life on. And what are those foundations, what's those values that we're going to build our life on? I want you to read this verse out loud with me, Ephesians uh, 2.20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So we talk about a foundation. We talk about a foundation of the foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone of the foundation. We're going to be building on the very things. And hear this. The next three weeks, the very things that Jesus said has to, has to, has to, has to be a part of your life. If you're going to live that full and free life, the vision that God has for your life, then you need to build your life on the foundation and things that value, build value, and you're going to do it with this tool that I hold in my hand and you hold in your hand. This is the tool that is which God is going to use to build our lives on. See, God's vision is supported 
his values. God's vision is supported by the values that he has in his word, uh, and we need to build our life on them. John 10. John 10, you got to understand the context of this. John 10 actually follows John 9. Is that profound or not? John 9 is actually an entire chapter of Jesus healing a blind man who was born blind. And all the disruption that that caused. He was healed him on the Sabbath. That was so wrong. It was so horrible, horrible, horrible. The Pharisees, everybody gets upset about that. And they're just like giving him a hard time. And they're like trying to focus on the wrong that Jesus did. And all along, they're missing the right that Jesus did. The right that he did was he healed a man. The man gave the man sight to see he'd never seen before. And then finally, this man in chapter 9, verse 34, is excommunicated from the synagogue, which is the center of religious thought, the center of social society. And literally in chapter 9, this man who's just now seeing is now confessing that Jesus is the Messiah and I'm going to follow Jesus is now excommunicated from the synagogue. And Jesus' response to chapter 9 is chapter 10. So with that in mind, open your Bibles and let's look at uh, chapter 10 and a few of these verses. But I want you to see here what Jesus calls himself from verse 1 to verse 7 to verse 9. He calls himself the door. The door of the sheepfold, the door of the sheep, the door of salvation. Very important to understand that metaphor that he's using uh, in this, in this storyline. That door, hear this out, is the pathway, is the pathway to your life being free and being full. His door, him being the door, is your pathway to the vision that God has for your life and for my life. Let's look at verse 9 to verse 11. It says in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 9, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. You might underscore that if you want to really unpack that. And will go in and out and find pasture. You find right there the vision that God has for our life. You enter through the door, and through this door, you will find salvation. You will find life. You will find the freedom that you long for, look for, because you find that in Christ. And then he says you will also find pasture. You'll find the fullness when you walk through the door. And then probably the most famous verse in maybe in all of John is the next verse. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life, circle the word life, and have it abundantly, circle the word abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The vision that God has for your life is twofold. Is that your life would be free and that your life would be full. What does that mean? Let's talk about freedom. What does that freedom look like? Irenaeus, a second century early church father, the bishop of um, Smyrna said this, he said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. 
A human being fully alive. That is what is the glory of God. When you think about that, God wants you fully completely alive. What does that mean? Jesus draws from Isaiah whenever he in Luke chapter 4 talks about what his calling was. What was Jesus about? What was Jesus here on this earth to do? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now again, he's talking about the spirit and Jesus. Jesus is pointing to the Trinity. God the Father sends the Son. The Spirit of God anoints Jesus. It's the Trinity, three in one, working together in their, in their different components and parts of who they are. And the Spirit of the Lord has anointed. Now, the word anointed, there's, there's lots of ways the Holy Spirit works. He works in baptism at the point of our salvation. This is a symbol of that baptism that when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's also the filling of the Spirit. That is a believer in Jesus... Uh, we should walk every day. Ephesians talks about being filled with the Spirit. But there's also anointings. Anointing is whenever God gives you His Spirit for a particular task, an assignment, if you will. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus for an assignment. What's His assignment? Me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim to the, that captives will be released, the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus came on a mission, sent by the Father, anointed by the Spirit, for a mission, for a task to set us free, to help the blind to see, the oppressed to, 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 to be free, uh, to, to give captivity freedom. So when I say that, that Jesus came and the very first thing he came to do is to give us freedom, it's so important. But you probably say, hey, time out, Mike. I'm not captive. I'm not a prisoner. I'm not blind. So this doesn't pertain to me. Oh, but maybe you are. Because all of us have been blind. Blinded to truth. Blinded to reality. It's Jesus said of the devil, he says, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. See, the effect of being born in this world is the reality is that I can walk around in my reality that's not the reality. I don't know if you have relatives like that because I know you're not like that. You have bosses like that. You have people in your life like that. You have teachers like that. But you're not like that. Because we get sucked into our reality. In reality, we might be the ones who are blind. Jesus turning to the disciples, he paid. He said privately, blessed are the eyes who see what you see. See, Jesus Christ, a part of his freedom is the freedom from darkness, is the freedom from, from blindness, is the freedom spiritually from things that we cannot see. He's wanting to bring light. Also captive, you don't feel like a prisoner? You don't feel like you're locked up, chained up? We're all caught into a vortex of sin and self-righteousness at times or sin of different sorts and addictions and habits and hang-ups that capture us. Paul, even the great apostle who was a great religious leader and zealot in his own faith, yet he struggled to do God's will. How many of us would identify with Paul's writings when he said in, in Romans chapter 7, he says, For I do not understand my own actions. 
for I do what I don't want to do and I, and I don't do the very thing I hate for I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right but the, not the ability to carry it out. Wretched man that I am who will deliver me from the body of this death. Now again, if you could get in the closet of your own soul, how many of you would write that out? I can't find, I'm in, caught in the vortex of a habit and a hang-up and an addiction or just a bad attitude. I'm caught in the vortex of a lie that I'm living out. How do I get free from that? Romans, the very next verse, chapter 7, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is now, therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? That is a beautiful reality of Jesus coming into our lives, setting us free. I was reading this past week, Korean-born German philosopher, Young Chu Han, in his book, The Burnout Society. And this is the way he described Western society today. They are too alive to die and too dead to live. Let that sink in. How many of us feel like we have had our life stolen, killed, and destroyed. Jesus said, I came to give him life. I came to give life. I came to save every single one. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said in John 11. I am the resurrection. Whoever believes in me. That word believe is the, is the Greek word pisteo, which is used 241 times in the New Testament. It's one of the most popular words that when people are coming to Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 12, those who believe in his name become his children. Belief is important, but what we have in our Western world is a cognitive belief, but our, sometimes our life doesn't line up with our cognitive belief. Well, really what, what Jesus is saying here, belief is all in. It's all or not. He says, believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives believes in me shall never die. Now here's the question. Do you believe this? The way you enter into that free life, the way you enter into that saved life, the way you enter into life, and every one of us has to come to a crisis of belief. Every last one of us. Some of y'all are here just for the baptism of a family member. They had to come to a point in their life where they had to go, what am I going to believe? Anchor myself into. Give myself over to. It's a crisis of belief. Am I going to do life my own way? You get that option. Also, get to live with the consequences. I'm going to live and sign the title deed of my life over to a, a Savior named Jesus and let Him enter into my life. And those who step into this water of baptism today are making a statement to you that they're going to do the same thing. Jesus wants freedom for your life. He wants fullness in your life. He wants freedom for your life. He wants 
fullness in your life. So let's talk about what it means to be full. He said, not only did I come to give them life, but to give it abundantly. Fully, completely, overflowing. Now, I'm, listen, I'm, I've not read everything C.S. Lewis has put out there. I should. Surely I'm old enough, I should have read it all by now. But one of those that's worthy of reading is The Weight of Glory. When he describes how so many of us have settled for some domesticated faith, some kind of meandering, lukewarm kind of faith, if any faith at all. And that's kind of how we live our life. He described it like this. He says, it seems that our, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We're settling for our vision and we're missing the vision of God for our life. We're making mud pies when God's calling us to the sea. Zoe Parisos is what we're calling this series. That God is calling us to be free in Him. And once He has set us free, we are free indeed. Once we have life in Him, we have freedom to live out our life. This is not just now, it is for all eternity. We have zoe, the Greek word for life. Zoology comes from this. Parison, abundant, full, overflowing. Plato used this word to describe it in his own writings as something beyond the ordinary. Several Greek lexicons that I checked out used synonyms for words to describe this one word as extraordinary, exceptional, superabundant. I like this last one, special advantage. There's a special advantage in a life in Christ. There's an exuberance in a life in Christ. It's like it's a bumper crop. The Jewish community would use this same word to speak of a crop that is a bumper crop. The message paraphrases it more and better life than you ever dreamed of. I'm not saying problem free. I'm not saying pain free. In fact, if you just read the scriptures, you'll find that that's not even a bill of goods that can be sold with any sound. I'm not saying that if, that if you live the Jesus life that you're going to have uh, uh, tons of money in the account. It's all life is going to be easy. In fact, I'll say it's going to be hard. Look at the life of Paul. But there will be an abundance of, 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 of substance and significance in your life. How do you put your arms around the substance? How do you put your arms around the significance? I will say this, that the substantiveness of the abundant life is knowing God. Knowing the God of the universe and how he came and how he sent his son and how he embraces you and how he makes you his child. 
So many people think, oh yeah, I'm saved and one of these days I'll be on the other side when I die and it'll all be okay. But right now I'm living my life. Listen, that is heresy from the pit of hell. Remember the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus came to give us life, give it more abundantly of one of substance. This is eternal life that you know that they know you. Jesus is praying this in his high priestly prayer. The only true God and Jesus Christ who you sent. There's, this is what heaven is. This is what eternal life is. This is, what, this is the life, that, the substantive life that he wants to give you, that you know God, know him in a deep, personal, intimate way. There are people in this room right now that are about to get baptized. And they're making that declaration today that they know God. And so here's what we're going to do. If you're going to be baptized here in just a few moments, would you do this? Would you stand up right now, make your way out that door, and there'll be some awesome people on the other side to help get you ready for the conclusion of our time together. But let's talk about not only substance, let's talk about significance. There's a significance in this abundant life. The significance of loving people and living scent. The significance of actually having a meaning that I get to make a difference in this world, that I get to leave a thumbprint on this world, that I get to make an impact in people's lives, that I'm going to be in people's lives and people's lives are going to be in me, that, 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 that we're going to be together and live in this, in this community of faith and hope and love together. And that I get to have value not only here in my own backyard, but everywhere I go. And wherever God sends me. Wherever I live, work, learn, and play. John Henry Newman said this. He says, fear not that your life will come to an end, but that it will never have a beginning. Uh, I read a book, um, actually my father-in-law, recommended it. I was probably in my early 30s when I read this book, Halftime by Bob Buford, an incredible book. If you haven't read it, read it. Uh, it talks about moving from success to significance. And, and, and Bob Buford talks about, um, uh, I mean, he, he was very successful, but he, he realized that that was not completing his life and he moved his life to significance. And he quotes from George Bernard Shaw in there. He says this, I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It's sort of a splendid torch in which I, I've got to hold uh, for the moment. I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. What if we lived our, I don't know, I don't know Shaw's spiritual life or his upbringing. I don't know any of his theology, but I will say this. That is a person who's looking deeply at their life and saying, this is the life that I want. What is the life you want? And how close of the life that you want is it to the life that God wants for you? One that is free, one that is full one that is of substance and significance. I I remember the story I heard a long time ago of a a little boy in the Great Depression 
had read a banner at, at school. They posted a, a placard up that the, the circus was coming to town. I've told this story before. Uh, you might remember it, but, but it's just one of those, you just can't, it just tells so much. But the little boy goes and sees the sign that the, that the circus is coming to town. So he goes home and he tells his mom and dad the circus is coming to town and it's going to cost 25 cents. Remember, this is the Great Depression. It's going to cost 25 cents to get in. He says, well, 25 cents, mom and dad said, it's not easy to come by. You're going to need to do some chores. And so he, he got in there and he, he did the chores. He did all he could all week long to save up for his 25 cents so that he could make his way into the circus. The big top, the, the elephants, the clowns, everything that he was hoping to see. And all of a sudden he, he, he gets to the end of the week. Dad gives him his quarter. He runs downtown to the city square and he sits down because there's this big parade that's going to happen. The parade comes through and the elephants and the clowns and everybody marches on through. And at the end of this, clown comes up and gives the kids out some candy. And when he does, the little boy hands him the 25 cents and he turns around and he goes home because he thought he had just seen the circus. See, again, you might look at your life and go, yeah, that's my life. Good, bad, flip a coin sometime. But what if it? It's just the parade. It's just the preamble. It's just the beginning of what God would have for you. A life full and free. Have you settled for the parade when God's calling you to the circus? Have you settled for mud pies when God's called you to the ocean? Have you settled for a life instead of the abundant Life. I go back to the statement that Jesus said. He makes two I am statements. Jesus makes several I am statements in the Gospels, but he makes two of them in this chapter alone. He says, I'm the door. And then he goes on, he says, I'm the shepherd. I'm the door, I'm the shepherd. I'm the door, I'm the shepherd. You enter through the door, you will be saved. You enter through the door, you're going to find pasture. You enter through the door, you're going to find free freedom. You enter through this door, you're going to find pasture. You're going to find that abundance, that fullness, that substance. You enter through the door. When you enter through the door, you're going to be entering through that door, and I am going to be the good shepherd on the other side. It's going to steer and lead your life. Now, some people, they want to figure out their own door and they don't want to be led or shepherded, then you don't want to be a Jesus follower. I'm just going to be frank frank with you. You're going to do it your own way. That's okay. It's your life, right? But if you're here today and you've never entered the door of his life and his abundance, I invite you right here and now. And I'll go so far as to say this. Maybe you're going to be like some of these who need to declare your faith in baptism. And maybe today you'll get baptized. Hey, Mike, I didn't bring clothes. That's okay. We have a towel and a t-shirt for you. You can just go home wet. It'll be the best go home wet experience you've ever had. Um, here's what we're going to do. I want to talk to those who are not yet there first. If you're not yet 
certain that you have life and abundance, then right now, right where you're at, would you just bow your head and close your eyes and just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I want to enter in through the door. I've been by the door. I've been around the door. I've tried to create my own door. But Jesus, I want to enter through your door so that you, on the other side of that door, will shepherd and guide me the rest of my life. Give your life to him. Put your own prayer ending on that. If you're here as a believer today and you just realize that you entered the door, but he hasn't been your shepherd, that's not optional. Maybe you right now need to pray, God, would you lead my life? Steer my life, guide my life. Would you lead my life into freedom and fullness like never before? Father, you know our hearts. You know right where every person in this room is. And Father, I would pray today that we'd all have the boldness to say yes to you. Whatever you say to us right here and right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk out this stage. I'm going to walk out of that door. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ or that you're ready to give your life to Christ or that you're ready to go home wet and declare your faith in baptism, would you follow me there? Let's all stand and worship together. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Scent.